0: Welcome to the TriStar Church Podcast. We're so glad that you have tuned in today. My name is Matt Grimes, lead pastor of TriStar Church, and I want to encourage you to like and follow us on social media, as well as subscribe to our podcast. You'll find weekly sermons, midweek deep dives, and more right here every single week. I pray that you're challenged and encouraged as you listen, not just to the words that are spoken, but to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you through this resource. Now let's dive in. If you got a copy of God's Word. Would you open it up? We're going to be in Luke chapter 14. Uh, if you were not here last week, I really do encourage you to go and uh, listen to that sermon. It's online available under our media page on tristarnox.org. Uh, and you can kind of catch up on what we're talking about. We're in this series called... Hospitality, And there has not been a better time in the life of Knoxville for us to talk about the idea of hospitality. With thousands of people moving into this area and into our community, um, there are uh, people from the world, uh, from all over uh, the United States and literally from all over the world moving into our region. Um, and this is a great chance for us as the church to reach out uh, and to embrace and to show the love and the kindness of Jesus uh, to the people. People that God has placed around us in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, where where our kids play ball. There's so many people that are around us that we have the chance to show hospitality towards. And if you were here last week, you realize that the definition of hospitality that we've kind of embraced in this series is this idea of treating others as family that they would see the love that God has for them through the way that we treat them. Now, i probably need to clarify that for a minute because some of us go, you haven't met my family Um, and they're a little bit crazy. I don't know that I want to treat them like my family. But... Most of us, when our family comes, we roll out the red carpet. Think about the holidays, right? My daughter made fun of me. Our family's coming in. I'm in here ironing the bedsheets for the guest bedroom, right? She goes, Dad, this room looks better than a hotel does when we go. I'm like, right, that's what you do when family comes over. You roll out the red carpet. You pull out all the stops. You feed them a good meal. Why? Because you want them to have a great experience. And that's how Jesus interacted with others. He didn't iron their bedsheets. I don't know that you're going to find that in scripture right but he showed kindness and he showed hospitality and there was a point behind his his kindness and there ought to be a point behind our hospitality we don't just show kindness for the sake of showing kindness what we're trying to do is to lead people to the knowledge of the love that God has for them in our hospitality there's a goal behind that And so what we see is that Jesus spent most of his time with sinners, with strangers. He spent time with his friends, sure, but he also made time for strangers and for sinners, extending hospitality for them. for Jesus, his strategy for connecting with others, his strategy for spending time with others was what we call the meal table. Jesus sat around a table. This was a common practice in this culture. Meal times were multiple hours long, that you would sit around a table and you would eat course after course and you would engage in conversation. It was a social event. And so, meals, the table, became a strategy for Jesus to connect with other people. Jesus invited other people to come around the table and to spend time with him. And as they spent time with him around the table, it was a window into what heaven looked like. As people would engage with Jesus around that table, they got a glimpse of what heaven was like and what God was like. Life happened around those tables. Meaningful conversations happened around those tables. And Jesus did this so much that he kind of got a reputation. We talked about it from Matthew 11. Uh, He tells us that the son of man came eating and drinking and people would look and say, there goes the son of the man, that glutton and that drunkard. He spent so much time around tables with other people, connecting with them, giving them a glimpse of heaven that the people who were standing on the outside said, he's a drunkard, he's a glutton. This is Jesus, a man who passionately cares about people, who spends time with people, revealing to them and showing them who God is like and what heaven is like by sitting around tables with them. And so if we're going to live authentically like Jesus did, we've got to embrace this idea of hospitality, We've got to become like him and begin to show, like we talked about last week as Jesus encountered Zacchaeus, we've got to begin to treat others with compassion, to treat others with kindness, to come alongside people who are different than we are, who don't look like we do, who don't talk like we do, who don't necessarily have the same beliefs that we do, and instead of finding places that we disagree, we learn to put our arms around them and embrace them just like Jesus did, to make room and space for them. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to explore the idea of what does hospitality look like? What does it look like for us to show kindness and compassion towards others and to embrace others? And one way that we do that is to use our tables, to use meal times as a way to engage with others. And, um, and I want to stop for a moment because... This is difficult. I know a lot of people go, oh my gosh, you don't, I, I'm, I'm like an introvert. Having people in my home, that's a scary thing. Like I don't know about inviting people in. There's something that is uh, uh, very meaningful about inviting someone to your home. That's a significant thing. And I, and I really do want to challenge all of us to invite others into our space and into our life, to around our table. I think that's important. But that's not the only way that you show hospitality. Inviting people around your table, learning to use your table isn't just inviting people into your home. That can be saying to someone, you know, hey, you wanna go have dinner tonight and taking a neighbor out to dinner. That can be saying, hey, do you want to grab a cup of coffee and have a conversation? That could be a mom saying to some other moms in her neighborhood, hey, would you like to come over? I've got friends who do this and it's incredible. In their neighborhood, they just started reaching out to moms and they uh, sit out on their back porch and drink a glass of wine and they read a book together and talk about the book. That's hospitality. That's making time for other people, inviting them into your life, being connected with them. It's learning how to slow down. To make time for other people, to be present with them, that they would get a glimpse of heaven. For a lot of us, when we start talking about this, we go, man, I don't even know what I'd say in that moment, right? Heart begins to race even thinking about that, right? I don't even know what I would do in that moment. This this past week, I was at the gym. If you follow social media, you probably saw me post about this. But I'm at the end of my workout. I'll do cardio in the beginning, lift weights. I so go back do some cardio at the end. And I am on uh, this elliptical machine, just like giving it everything, ready to be done. I'm about three minutes away from my workout being done. And all of a sudden, my cell phone decides to call 911. And if you don't know this, when you're you call 911 from your phone, it's not just a call that goes through to 911. It begins to blare really loud arr, 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 and start flashing all over the place, yelling emergency, and like everybody in the gym is now looking at me, right? And I'm in full freakout mode, going, what? like, do I just get off the treadmill and walk out in embarrassment? Like, do I, you know, or do I just sit here and just keep doing what I'm doing? Like, I, I didn't know what to do, right? And for so many of us, that's the feeling. We have when we think about in, uh, inviting people around our tables. I don't even know what I would do. I don't even know what I would say. Like, what do you do in that moment? So, this morning, we're going to dive into Luke chapter 14. Jesus finds himself around the table with others. And he's going to show us a little bit about what we do when we sit around the table with other people and and we want to engage in conversation. How do you even begin to do that? Jesus is going to show us as he sits around the table with some very interesting people. Now, uh, Luke 14 finds Jesus much like today. It's a Sunday. Jesus has been uh, at the temple with all the other religious leaders and everybody else. They've had their service, and like everybody, when service is done, what do you want to do when you get done listening to the Word of God, right? Anybody? You want to eat like you're hungry, right? Everybody's hungry. Like, this is a big deal. It was for them as well. And Jesus is invited over to the home of a Pharisee for a meal. And for a moment, it appears... That the Pharisees are getting Jesus' picture of living with a mindset of hospitality, right? Show kindness and compassion to others. You think, well, maybe they've gotten that story from watching Jesus uh, over the last year or so in his life. Maybe they've learned from him. But quickly in this story, we realize that treating Jesus with kindness and compassion was the farthest thing from their hearts and their minds. It is not what the religious leaders were about. What is also important to note about this story is that Jesus sat at tables with his enemies. The Pharisees were the enemies of Jesus. And what you're going to find out in the next few moments is that they're actively trying to take Jesus down. And Jesus makes time to sit at a table with them. He makes time to spend with them to show them the same kind of kindness and compassion that he would a sinner and that he would his friend. I think it's remarkable that Jesus does so that he sits at a table, not just with his friends, not just with his family, not just with sinners and tax collectors who need him, but he also makes time to sit at the table with his enemy. And let's look and see what happens. Luke 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, They were watching him carefully. This is a setup. The Pharisees are trying to once again set Jesus up. They have set a trap for him. uh, And they are carefully watching him. The Greek word used here is parateo, which means to watch craftily with evil intentions. They are watching him very craftily. They're watching his every move. They're listening to every word. And this word means they have evil intentions behind their actions in watching here. We have the sweetest dog on the face of the planet. If you've been to our house, you know how wild and crazy she is. Brandon calls her, her name is Dottie. He calls her Dolores because she's ridiculously crazy. But she is super sweet and she would never harm a person until she hears a bag open in the pantry. And all bets are off at that point, right? This dog will run into the kitchen. She will sit and she will watch you. And if you so much drop a rice kernel on the ground, she will break your neck and her neck to get it and devour it. And that is the picture of these Pharisees that are sitting around the table with Jesus. They're looking for any moment to pounce and to devour and to take Jesus down. There's a connection to Psalm 37 verse 32 that says, the wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. This is Psalm 37, 32 being played out here in Luke 14. These men were watching Jesus in hopes to destroy him. Look at verse two. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Now this man's not here by accident. He's been invited by this Pharisee who owns the home. He's been invited to this meal to come and to be a part. And there's a purpose behind his attendance to this meal. Now if you know anything about sickness, dropsy is like fluid buildup. Uh, in, in this man's face, so his face would have been enlarged, it would have been swollen, uh, parts of his body probably as well. And so it was obvious that this man was sick, that he was afflicted, and they invited him into their home. And this is what is incredible, is that Pharisees would have never invited a sick person into their home for a meal. He's a means to an end. The sick man is a means in which to take down Jesus, He's been brought to the table not to show him kindness, not to show him compassion, not to have mercy on him, but to harm Jesus. Because the Pharisees knew that the moment Jesus saw this sick man, he would be moved to compassion. And by by, the way, what day is it? The Sabbath. And he'll heal him. And the moment Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath, we've got a reason to accuse him of breaking the law and we can take him down and we can discredit him and we can say he is not someone who should be listened to and followed. They can dismiss him and they can discredit him. But even in the midst of all that's going on, and Jesus is aware of this, Jesus teaches us how to show hospitality even to our stranger. He's gonna give us a couple of lessons about how we engage with people around our tables. When we sit around tables, whether that's at home, maybe that is a meal somewhere, maybe that's around a fire pit in your backyard, wherever you find yourself sitting with people, making time to be present with them so that they can understand who God is and his love for them, he's gonna show us, he's gonna give us some lessons on how we can engage with them in those moments. And the first lesson is this, Jesus teaches us to ask questions. Luke 14, 3. Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Luke, unfortunately, does not give us a whole lot of insight as to what had happened up until this point. He doesn't tell us uh, what was said to Jesus or if questions were there. There's no inclination that a question was asked. So either Jesus in his omniscience and all-knowingness knew that this was the question on their mind and on their heart, is, is it lawful to hear on a Sabbath? Maybe he just, he just knew that because he, he is the son of God or maybe they had already asked this question before. Either way, it doesn't matter. What's remarkable is that Jesus doesn't tear into them and give them an answer. Jesus asks a question and it's a great model for us. Jesus asked questions. He didn't just run in with his thoughts and with his opinions and say, oh, well, this is what I think about healing on a Sabbath. No, Jesus asked a question. Why? Because questions lead to knowledge and learning. And listen to their response, Luke 14, 4. But they remained silent. <clears throat> and then he took him and he healed him and he sent him away. They just watched this man be healed, a miracle right before they, their eyes. Because of the sickness he had, he would have went from being swollen to not swollen when Jesus healed him. This is an incredible miracle that they would have witnessed. But none of them cared about that. They wanted to catch Jesus. And so when Jesus asked the question, is it lawful to heal on a Sunday, none of them would answer. Maybe they were too stubborn. Maybe they were afraid. The other leaders who were in the room and what they would think if they answered. Maybe they just didn't know what to say. So Jesus asked them another question. Again, here he is using questions. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? Jesus has been around these religious leaders. He knows what they're like. He knows their thoughts. He knows their laws better than they do. And he understood that there's a law within Jewish tradition that if you are on this, if it is the Sabbath day and you come along and one of your work animals like your oxen or a mule is caught in a ditch and they're in trouble, you can go help them. That's not considered work on the Sabbath. And what Jesus says is, man, if you... If you Pharisees can show compassion to an animal, how much more, show, more so should you have compassion on a person who is in need? Jesus is appealing to their humanity and to the goodness in them. So they knew that if they answered Jesus and said, oh, well, you shouldn't have helped him, then they'd be revealed for cold, heartless people who didn't care about others. But if they answered, yeah, you should have healed him, then they'd be breaking their law. Jesus, his question was brilliant in this moment. One of the reasons why they couldn't answer is because Jesus appealed to the goodness inside of them. Jesus recognized you're not cold, heartless, brutal, cruel people. You would help your animal. Now now go do that. Show that same compassion. Show that same kindness. Show that same love to other people. So Jesus teaches us to ask questions. He shows us the power that is in questions. And here's where I would encourage you. Jesus taught a lesson in this moment just by using questions. He didn't have to give instructions. He didn't have to give his thoughts on healing on the Sabbath. He asked a question. And then based off what happened in the room, he asked another question. And it taught a lesson much better than if Jesus had led with his thoughts and his own opinions on the matter. And so for us, as we engage with other people around our table and we wonder, hey, what would I even say? One of the first things we ought to do is learn to be a good question asker. Hey, who are you? Tell me your story. And we listen. Listen. And as they talk and as they begin to tell us about who they are, we begin to ask other questions off what we learn. I will challenge you this week, go sit down, write up, you know, 10, 15 great starter questions. You can Google it if you don't think you're that smart. Just go Google it and you can pull that offline. But learn to ask questions as you make time for people, as you begin to spend time with others and show hospitality. The first thing we see from Jesus is be a great question asker. The second lesson Jesus teaches us here is that Jesus teaches us to pay attention. Jesus was present with the people who were sitting around his table. He was watching them. Just as closely as they were watching him, Jesus was watching them. But it's not only important for us to pay attention to the people that we're sitting around the table with, it's important for us to pay attention to the Holy Spirit Who is leading us? Because the Holy Spirit will prompt things. He will speak things to you as you sit around other people. The same spirit that led Jesus is leading you. And so we pay attention to the person we're sitting with. We pay attention to the Holy Spirit and what he is leading us to in the next in that moment. In the next few Jesus, in the next few moments, Jesus changes the direction a little bit here. And he moves away from this idea of healing on the Sabbath. And he's going to go rather and focus on what's really driving these religious leaders to come after him. And he sees it in their actions. Jesus realizes, hey, this isn't about me healing on the Sabbath. This is about a much deeper issue that's rooted in your heart. that You got to dig out. And he's going to bring it to light and he's going to expose it. And here's the thing. He wouldn't have seen it if he wasn't paying attention to their actions and what they were doing in the moment. Listen, Luke 14, verse 7 through 11. So Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. And listen, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, he noticed they're running around, they're trying to grab the seats of most important honor at the table. He's watching this, he's perceiving it with his eyes, and he realizes in that moment, oh, this isn't about the Sabbath. There's something deeper going on. Verse 8, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, don't sit down in a place of honor. <clears throat> Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will be, uh, begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit at the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus teaches us a lesson here as we engage with people around our table. Don't miss what's really going on in their life because of what's happening on the surface. See, at this meal in this Pharisee's home, everybody else is, is talking about one thing. You think on the surface that this is about the Sabbath, but Jesus sees something greater is going on. He's watching everybody else run around and fight for the positions of honor at the table. Now, in our day, everybody just sits wherever. There's no more honorable table, uh, chair at the table. But in this time, where you sat uh, meant how important you were in that community. And so they're all fighting for seats of honor and and, and that people would be proud to sit in. They wanted the most important seats at the table. And what this revealed is their own pride and arrogance and selfishness. See, for most people that were sitting at that dinner table, the, the, the question was this should or should we not heal on the Sabbath? But Jesus saw something far greater was driving their actions that day. It wasn't about the Sabbath and healing. It was these religious leaders' pride and arrogance that was driving them to pursue Jesus and to try to take him down. It was their own self-righteousness that drove them to invite a sick man, not with the idea of healing him, but to use him to take Jesus down. It was their own self-righteousness and pride and arrogance that drove them to do that and to put him in a place where Jesus would encounter him with the hopes of destroying Jesus. Jesus didn't get sidetracked by their surface level issues, and rather he focused on what's really going on, what they needed most. And let me encourage you, as you begin to engage with strangers, you begin to engage with sinners, there are going to be surface level issues that are right there on the top that are going to be easy to see, and you're going to grab hold of. But what we've got to do is we've got to be patient and let the Holy Spirit lead us to what's really going on in their life. It's kind of like the person who goes to the doctor complaining of their arm hurting. Man, my arm is killing me. I, man, I, I just need help. I just need pain relief. And, and the doctor just gives them pain meds instead of looking into it and finding out what's causing the pain. Because you've got to address what's causing the pain. Because if your arm is eat up with cancer, if your bone is eat up with cancer, and you're just giving them pain meds, that's, that's useless and that's dumb. It's the same thing here. We want to get to what's really going on in their life. As we invite people in, they're going to be messy. They're going to have things going on in their life. And almost all the time it's driven by a much deeper issue in their life. And we've got to be willing to look past to what's really going on so we can speak the truth and we can show the love of God in the face of that. A few years ago, I had a guy that I'd been working with and discipling and We've been working for several years together in this relationship and it was so frustrating because we were just on this constant like, cycle of, uh, of, of things would go really good and he was in a great place and things were going great. He was involved in church and things were great and uh, his marriage was good and things were awesome and then it would just cycle out of, just out of control to depression, anxiety, man, life sucks. I don't even know, I don't even know if I wanna be married to my wife anymore. I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. It was just this constant cycling. And and I, I found myself caught in that same cycle over and over and over with him. And we just kept addressing it and addressing it. And the more we talked, the more we dug down, and we got deep into his life and started talking about his childhood and what he grew up in, the realization came that he had grown up in a family where he had been abandoned by his mother and left with a stepfather who didn't want him, who didn't spend time with him, and he bounced around from place to place to place. And I remember looking at him and saying, Paul, you gotta listen, bro. Here's the real issue. The reason you're struggling with all this, the reason this cycle just keeps repeating is you've got some deep trust issues in your life, and rightfully so. Because if you couldn't trust your mom and you couldn't trust your father, who are supposed to be the picture of God to you here on earth, I can't imagine how you begin to trust other people in your life. So I see, I see why you struggle with that with your wife. I see why you struggle with trusting me at times. I see why you're just on this, this cycle. But the issue is trust. And the issue is dealing with what was happened to you as a, as a child. we got to dig in and we need to get into counseling and we need to work around that because that's where you're going to find healing. Don't get sidetracked by the surface level issues that are there. Invest in the relationship and over time as the Spirit leads you and guides you, you'll be able to speak truth to them. Just like Jesus, people are our calling. We've got to learn to embrace them, to show them kindness and compassion like we talked about last week with Zacchaeus. And as we begin to make time for them, to be present with them, to sit around tables, wherever that may be, may we be like Jesus and ask great questions. We don't have to have the answers. We ask questions. We get to know them. We pay attention to them. We pay attention to the Holy Spirit who's speaking and leading and in there, as we do that, would we not get sidetracked by the surface level issues Of pay attention to what's really going on that we can speak to that? So in our video, we talked about uh, this idea of who are you praying for over the next seven days? And I wanna challenge us as we talk about hospitality, it needs to be something beyond just this Sunday morning, but how do we really begin to take that into our life and pray and say, God, who is it in my life that you want me to slow down and make time for to show kindness and compassion, to be hosp- uh, hospitable towards in my own life. Who can I live more authentically like Jesus to? And so, my prayer is that you'll begin to pray and ask God over the next seven days to show you who that person is. And as He does, and as you begin to have opportunities to sit around the table with them and wherever that may be. Let me just encourage you. You don't have to have all the answers. Just start asking questions. Get to know them. Learn them. And as you're asking questions, pay attention to the Holy Spirit. What is he speaking? What is he saying? Pay attention to that person. Listen, watch their actions. Pay attention to what they're saying. And the Holy Spirit will begin to speak. And give you the chance to speak into what's really going on in their life. That you can show them a glimpse of heaven, of who God is, his love for them. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our model. We thank you that although we are imperfect and we don't always get it right, we have a Savior who loves us, we have a Savior who died on the cross in our place. We have a Savior who 100% of your anger and wrath towards our sin was poured out on so that we could walk freely in life, unhindered by sin, walking in your freedom that only Jesus can give us. May we walk in that freedom, showing that love and kindness and compassion that Jesus showed to the world around us and the places we live, work, and play this week. Would we not be afraid to sit around tables with friends? Would we not be afraid to sit around tables with even our enemies, Father? Just like Jesus did, would we not be afraid to sit around tables with strangers? Asking questions, paying attention and listening. And will we have the boldness when you lead to speak truth to what's really going on in their lives. That they would find healing and hope and love and compassion and mercy in Jesus just like we have. For sheer your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you live in the greater Knoxville area, we would love for you to join us for a worship gathering. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For directions and more information, please visit www.tristarnox.org. Lastly, resources like this one are made possible by the financial support and generosity of people just like you. If you would like more information on supporting Tristar Church, please visit our website, or you can text the word GIVE to 865-240-0353 and follow the prompts. Your generosity and support will empower us to continue to partner with believers, equipping them to make disciples by living out the gospel in the places they live, work, and play. Grace and peace.